Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. Today's show is brought to you by Ritual. The Not Old Better Show name literally comes from this notion of longevity, happiness in later life, health, and wellness. Our guest today, Ken Stern, epitomizes all that and more. Ken Stern is the founder and chair of the Longevity Project at Stanford University, which he founded in collaboration with the Stanford Center on Longevity. Ken Stern is the host of multiple podcasts, including When I'm 64. Ken Stern joins us today to talk about his personal connection to longevity and when the new show that Ken Stern is involved with, Century Lives, we will hear it here first. We're going to listen to a brief clip from Ken's new show, Century Lives, and we're going to talk about upcoming episodes, tech for seniors, and innovation. And we'll answer questions about whether rules created when most people lived only to 50 or 60 still make sense when more and more people live to 100. Longer lives are, at once, among the most remarkable achievements in all of human history and the greatest challenge of the 21st century. How can we ensure that our lives are not just longer, but healthy and rewarding as well? Well, Ken Stern is here to talk to us about that today from the Stanford Center on Longevity. The Century Lives podcast is all about starting this conversation. In the very first season, which we're going to talk about with Ken Stern today, They're going to review COVID-19 and how it's changed the way we've lived and how it impacts our longevity. Imagine you've just won the lottery. You're kidding me. This is real? You can put it. I can put it in and see it. But instead of cash, you've won extra years of life. You can do a lot in 30 years, right? Go to college, get married, have a few kids, get married again. Well, as it turns out, you may have already won that lottery. Our ancestors in the 20th century added... 30 years to average life expectancy. And they handed us this gift of 30 years with no strings attached, no instruction, just you're living longer. But what needs to change for us to not only live longer, but live happier, healthier, and more productive lives? From the Stanford Center on Longevity, Century Lives is here to start the conversation. Coming up on season one, the new map of life. I'm Ken Stern. Today, there are nearly 90,000 centenarians in the U.S. alone, and babies have a 50% chance of living to 100. What can these century-long lives look like if we do more than just inherit the rules of the past? Over six episodes, we begin to imagine a new vision for intergenerational relationships and how we live. 26% of the people responded that they lived in a multi-generational household. So it was really quadrupling in 10 years. We take a look at our healthcare system. When you can do vital signs at a distance without any other technology other than the actual camera, imagine the possibilities. And we grapple with how urban design has undermined longevity. It was not a food desert before this project came through. It's like a monument to what happened to our community. We seek out big solutions for the future of lifelong learning. Because the day you think you know enough, is the day that you (laughs) are really kidding yourself. And we imagine how we might work longer, but also better. This idea that work and life are different is just an old notion that I really think we need to let go of because that's just not true. We'll be publishing episodes starting this January. Subscribe to Century Lies from the Stanford Center on Longevity to hear it first. 
That, of course, is a brief clip from our guest today, Ken Stern, and his new show, Century Lives, available wherever you listen to your podcast. But we have Ken Stern today here on the Not Old Better Show. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Ken Stern. Ken Stern, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Happy New Year to you and your family. Hope everybody's well and um, kind of making it past these these days of Omicron and all of the variant and uh, and just staying healthy. But but my best to you. Thank you. We're we're all uh, in the first week of the year all healthy. So fingers crossed that, that can continue for. For us and for as many people as possible. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Well, 2020, 2021, been difficult years, certainly for those of us who are over age 60. And I, I wonder, you know, this is really your sweet spot and, and we are so appreciative of your of your time. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about your senses to the national conversation regarding longevity, in particular as it relates to isolation, because so many of us have been isolated during the pandemic. And what are the consequences of the pandemic to, uh, to this age group and to longevity? And how do we support our older adult audience that are facing these issues? Big, long question for you to start out, Ken Stern. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, that is a a big question. So uh, I will take the liberty of sort of stepping back for a moment, talking about longevity and sort of the grand sweep of time. So we've added um, um, 30 to 40 years to the average lifespan of the American over the last 150 years. Um, And that's more years in the added life than in all of human history combined before then. So it's sort of an extraordinary change that has happened in human lifespan and human evolution um, uh, in a relatively short period of time um, uh, in the the grand scheme of things. Um, Not surprisingly, I think, given sort of the speed of the increase in longevity, um, sort of our institutions haven't really kept pace with with longevity. Uh, That's healthcare, but it's also education, it's work, um, uh, it's it's, it's, it's elder care and childcare. uh, and I think as a society, we really haven't grappled with, with, with all those implications of longer life. The pandemic's obviously been you know, very hard on society as a whole and on older people more specifically. Um, I, I will say the, the silver lining of, uh, of this, of this huge black cloud of the pandemic, is that I think it's made many people realize uh, um, the importance of some of those changes, the importance of so the, the, the poor job we've taken in elder care, the lack of resources to help people age in place, the importance of elder care and child care um, together, the importance that a lot of um, older people have to their families and to knitting families together. Uh, I think that's actually been a hard lesson for society that things need to change um, in order to give people you know, healthier, longer, safer lives. Um, so, uh, I'm going to be, I won't even say glass half full, I'll be a glass you know, <laughs> tenth full and say that there's those, that the, the pandemic exposed some of those truths in a hard way. Um, uh, and I hope that will allow us to make progress in the future. Thank you for that. And so how, how is government doing? What kind of a grade would you give the administration? I've been, I've been very, you know, pleased with the Biden administration's approach to the variant and to home testing kits of late. We've seen a lot of those issues being addressed. What can you share with us about the um, proposed healthcare plans for older Americans that are coming out of the administration, the Biden administration these days? So I, I tend to focus on sort of structural changes. I think about most of which are 
incorporate it and build that better. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are greater investments in helping people age in place. Most Americans want to age in their their homes or communities, and it's very hard, Um, both because of lack of resources, but also lack of transportation, infrastructure, and care. Um, So, you know, that's a major initiative to build back better uh, care. And we tend to think that when we talk about care, we tend to think about child care first, but we're also... um, there are big investments in the care infrastructure and build back better. And that's elder care as well as um, child care. I think that's important. Um, and there are also investments, you know, uh, um, when we talk about longevity, we usually start with sort of the challenges of older age, but um, often investments made early in life uh, dictate whether people will have longer, healthier lives. So there are also investments that by administration, I think is quite probably thinking about investments in early childhood development, which will actually have significant impact on how people live um, successfully, you know, 70, 80 years down the road. Those are, I think, all smart investments that uh, this country needs to do in light of longevity and um, equity concerns. Um, the challenge, of course, is Build Back Better hasn't passed, uh, and no one knows whether it will. And I think the report card on the Biden administration is really going to be a report card on their success with Congress and at least getting some of that through. Because otherwise, I think it's, you know, it, much of it is fingers in the dike um, because uh, these are sort of big global challenges of a society that's much older than it used to be. You, of course, are the founder and chair for the Longevity Center uh, in collaboration with Stanford University. I, I just I love that name, and, and I'm excited to hear about the Longevity Project. I wonder if you tell us how that came about. I would imagine it's born out of a lot of these these notions that you have uh, in, in this conversation about longevity that we've just been discussing. So I need to give full credit to um, where credit is due, which starts with um, uh, a researcher and academic named Laura Carstensen, who's a professor at Stanford, uh, the founder of the Stanford Center on Longevity, who... Uh, I think has been influential in reframing the conversation around longevity from just a conversation just about aging, aging being a huge piece of it, but really a conversation about how do you really rethink what what she has coined the new map of life? Um, how do you really um, change how we support people and how we think about the life course over what is really essentially long lives? Um, half the kids born today are expected to live in this country, are expected to live to 100. How do we actually imagine their lives will be different than the lives of their grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-parents? Um, so uh, uh, I was introduced to the Longevity Project, started with a conversation with Laura about um, uh, how do you take her fabulous research and thinking about longevity and translate that into a public conversation about the changes needed in society. Um, and that's, you know, that was the longevity, pro- that is the genesis of the longevity project, um, which you know, is intended to foster public conversation and further research around how do we make longer lives, not just longer, um, but healthier and more rewarding mm-hmm. ones. And in that sense, it's kind of a map. And I found this, you, you refer to the new map of, of life initiative. I found that on the website. I wonder if you tell us a little bit about that, how it plays a role in, in understanding aging specifically. What, what are the kind of the, the parameters around that and, and how it works? So the way we think about the new map of life, at least the way I think about it is, is um, longevity starts at birth, sort of a, almost an obvious thing, but the challenges of aging well 
and living and having sort of a successful life course really starts in the early years and thinking about um, uh, um, not just how do we sort of solve the problem of old age, but how do we map out lot longer, century-long lives that make sense. And that means making investments early on in life for education. It means thinking about lifelong learning. We still shove most of our educa formal education into the first quartile life um, when people have to learn over the course of much longer lives if they want to stay in the workforce and be competitive. It's about how do you think about families when four or five, maybe six generations of the same families are alive at the same time, um, and notions of child care and elder care and intergenerational care. Um, and it, you know, it involves thinking about um, work. Um, people won't be, won't be able, as much as it's hard to say, and depresses me somewhat at the age of 58, uh, most people won't be able to retire, uh, won't, maybe won't want to retire mm -hmm. at 65 in the future. <laughs> Um, how do you rethink work so uh, that, that mm -hmm. a you know to, so that people can afford longer lives, but also get the get the value of the wisdom and productivity of older workers. So it's all those you know it is all those things, um, uh, um, all those ambitious changes under the rubric of the new map of life, which is I think another of Laura's uh, inspirations about how to talk about this and think about this with the with the policymakers, with thought leaders, with uh, the public at large. Mm -hmm. I, I was impressed in reading about that, the new map of life. I also found the Longevity Center's Century Summit, which I thought was fascinating, too. And I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about that and what you've learned, what you hope to learn in the future from this event, and maybe tell us about upcoming events and maybe how our audience can participate if possible, because this sounds like a great thing. Will, will these be done kind of in person or are they going to be virtual still? Uh, yeah, Paul, your, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah, we launched the Century Summit. Uh, so we launched it. Uh, first one was in December of 2020. And when we originally conceived it, it was intended to be a in-person event at Stanford, um, but the pandemic had other ideas in mind. So we did it virtually. Mm -hmm. um, in 2020, and we did it virtually again in December of 2021 with 3,000 people joining us uh, virtually. And that's an exciting thing. So if we had done it live in person, instead, it would have been great to get together with two, 300 people. Um, but the opportunity to bring together thousands of people, uh, I think we counted from 28 countries in every state in the end, uh, is an exciting thing and means that anyone can participate. So we will do it again in December of 2022, which seems a long time away, but I guess it's not. Um, uh, and there will definitely be, if there's an in-person element to it, which I'm, uh, I will not even guess that, there will definitely be a virtual element to allow uh, more people to participate. Uh, and that's, you know, our goal is really to engage people who care about these ideas. And the interesting thing about sort of, you know, the interesting thing about, there are lots of conferences on aging. This is the only conference I know about longevity. And that mm -hmm. means thinking about sort of the life course from um, from you know one to a hundred, and, and that means bringing experts in early childhood education, means bringing experts in work, and means bringing together experts in um, storytelling, uh, means bringing together experts in healthcare technology, and trying to draw sort of together, put together this big puzzle of what life could look like, and that's a exciting uh, conversation from my perspective, and. Uh, I, I never fail to learn um, 
I sort of chair the conference, and I never fail to be amazed at the insights that people from all those disciplines can bring to the conversation about longer life. Hi, it's Paul. We will be right back with our interview with Ken Stern talking about the longevity project, Century Lives, Ken Stern's new podcast of the challenging journey of living a longer life and a lot of other great subjects. But before we talk about that, I want to talk about health because health is intrinsic to living this longer life. We're going to talk about health, nutrition, diet, energy, vitamins, which are always on our minds here on the Not Old Better Show, especially this time of year. Just after the first, planning for some resolutions. You know, we may get busier and busier as the year wears on, but we shouldn't let gaps in our schedule create gaps in our diet. Gaps in the diet shouldn't be ignored. Over 97% of women aged 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and 95% are not getting their recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Let's talk about that. Our sponsor today, Ritual, offers an essential for women 18-plus multivitamin, which has been formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18-plus. Many of our audience, of course, here in the Not Old Better Show are concerned about this, thinking about this. And let me just tell you, the Ritual vitamin is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. But Ritual doesn't stop there. They invested in a gold standard, university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. The results? Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in 12 weeks. The clinical study was published in leading scientific journals like Frontier, in nutrition. We'll put links up to where you can find this information. Ritual is committed to third-party testing from USP and the non-GMO project, traceable and vegan-friendly ingredients, and always clear communication. No shady stuff from Ritual whatsoever. With Ritual, you'll know where the ingredients come from, and you'll know why they're there. Some call it obsessiveness. Ritual calls it traceability. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off of your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash NLB. Again, all of this will be in our show notes, but visit ritual.com slash NLB and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at ritual.com slash NLB. Thanks, everybody. Now back to our interview with Ken Stern host of the Century Lives podcast from Stanford Center for Longevity. We're back with Ken Stern from the Longevity Project at Stanford University and the new Century Lives podcast. Ken Stern, in my research of you, I found that you spoke to Norman Lear, who we all know well, <laughs> many of many in our audience know, know Norman Lear's work well, and then Eli Berktold, and I, I'm, I'm hoping I get that but the name like Vogel saying, I'm hoping I get that last name correct. Eli <laughs> Burke told that there's, yeah, yeah. is that, okay, good, good. Well, it, interesting, uh, between Eli and Norman Lear, there's 86 years, uh, apart in age. 
And I wonder if you tell us why why was it important that you you talked to both Eli and Norman, and why is this multi generational friendship important as we age? I just thought that was fascinating. Such a great potential. I think I think those this bodes well for for us. And, and please share a little bit about it with well, us. We know from a lot of uh, research that intergenerational relationships are important for all generations. They're important for uh, the education of our young and you know, grandparents play a huge role in, um, in the education of uh, younger people and the care of younger people. Um, uh, and we also know that brings a lot of value and purpose to older Americans. Uh, and that's shown in you know, lots of not just the educational setting, but even the living setting and the family setting. Uh, so uh, we wanted to dedicate time to talking about at the event. And by the way, in, 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 in the podcast that we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes, mm-hmm. um, the importance of intergenerational relationships to strong families, uh, strong education, and, and really strong community. Uh, and uh, the idea was to bring Norman Lear, I think he's 98, together with Eli Berthold, who is uh, 14, the son of one of, um, of, of a woman who used to run uh, Norman's foundation. So they, they, Norman's known Eli from, um, from birth, um, from Eli's birth, of course. Uh, and we thought it would be a nice thing to bring them together and talk. And truthfully, uh, I will tell you, Paul, I didn't really know how it would work. I have a 14-year-old son. I can't <laughs> really see him doing well, you know, yeah. sort of being put on stage uh, and, yeah, and flourishing. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be, uh, you know, sort of a nice conversation with Norman, who's you know, amazing, got such, such uh, stories to tell, and that we would include Eli as appropriate. Um, that was just wrong about it, because they were, it was clear <laughs> right from the back that they were friends, and that they yeah. got a huge amount of value from learning from each other. Uh, and I, you know, I, I hosted the conversation, but I, I just wanted to shut up and let them talk to each other because it was clear that they inspired each other um, uh, and learned from each other and cared about each other. And it was really just a remarkable thing to see. So I was uh, just delighted to have the chance to you know, almost sit on the sidelines and help facilitate <laughs> that conversation. Well, congratulations on that. Because I, I thought I watched the video, and I just thought this, this is really special. You could tell that they're friends, and so kudos to you and the organization for bringing all of that about. I think I, I do think we need more of that. Let's talk about Century Lives podcast, Ken Stern. It's available now. Uh, we've just listened to a brief clip. Thanks very much for sharing that with us. But maybe tell us a little bit about the podcast, how it came about, why now, and uh, a little bit about some of the upcoming episodes, because I, I saw a, a list of some of the topics, and I just thought that this is going to be fascinating stuff. I really want to recommend it. We'll put links up to where our audience can find the podcast, but tell us a little bit about this, Kinster. Well, so, so I think much of the, 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 the goal of the podcast is similar to the goal of what we've been talking about, which is to really mm-hmm. both inspire people uh, about, uh, about the possibility of change um, and raise the visibility of, of some of the challenging structural changes that, need, uh, that will need to be done in order to you know, create um, a, a, a society where everyone has a decent shot at longer, healthier, and more productive lives. Um, and, uh, well, you know this, uh, Paul, um, there's just power in audio and power of stories. Um, so we, uh, myself and uh, sort of a fabulous group of producers really sat down and said, how can we sort of 
tell the story of this new map of life over the course of six episodes. Um, and the first episode, which, as we said, uh, came out today, January 12th, um, is sort of the introductory episode. And um, we tell through more Carson's, as I've mentioned before, and sort of the idea of the new map of life. But we also told through the story of three generations of the Rary family, the Rary boys. So Adam Rary, age 22, his father, uh, Rich Rary, is 62, and Rich's father, Adam Rary, age 100, and get the sort of three different generations' perspective on their lives and have the chance to tell through that device the quickly evolving nature of how we live and how we should live. And each episode goes through everything from work to education to the multi-generational family, um, tries to find some type of inspirational storytelling to, um, to raise questions about how we, how we think about longevity um, and support longevity and how we might reinvent all these different disciplines so that people can have um, longer lives. And some of the episodes, um, and forgive me, Paul, for, for, I get very excited about this podcast. Uh, yes, no, me too, please. Uh, yeah, this um, is great stuff. I mean, one of the episodes, um, you know, we wanted to get into the challenges of, of, the fact that some communities um, have very long lives and others do not have that opportunity. So, for instance, in our uh, our city uh, here in Washington, if you have life expectancy in Georgetown, one of the wealthiest sections, is 90, 94. Uh, mm. But across town, about five miles in Anacostia, at 67. Um, mm. And, you know, that challenge of basically being deprived of an entire another life um, just mm. because where you're born. Uh, we wanted to get in and talk about the design of cities and how we've designed cities to make it harder for, make it easier for some communities to prosper and flourish and live long lives as they should, um, but cut off other parts of the city, um, often um, uh, poor um, uh, 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 poor sections of the town, largely people of color, are often cut off um, by urban renewal, what they call urban renewal, from the opportunities to have access to things that help people have longer, healthier lives. Um, so, you know, there's storytelling around all those things that we wanted to get into and um, we're excited to tell through this podcast. Yes. As you say, the show is out as of today, the 12th. We're going to put links up to where our audience can find out specifically about the show to listen to these episodes. And Kinsler, you're particularly suited to this. You're an author, former CEO of NPR, now hosting the Century Lives podcast, particularly suited to these conversations because your your excellent book, Republican Like Me, A Lifelong Democrat's Journey Across the Aisle, really talks about understanding kind of the other side and another point of view. And you quote Atticus Finch, the character from To Kill a Mockingbird, who says, you never really understand a person until you consider things from his point of view. So I wondered if you'd tell us a little bit about what you've learned uh, in your journey. And are we still as polarized as ever, especially around aging? And and maybe what our audience can do to kind of get out of this mindset of kind of this us versus them, you know, kind of mentality and become a little bit more um, partnered and, and collegial and, and uh, you know, interested in in society and, and in the democracy. I'll just use that term. Yeah, it's a super question, and uh, uh, here it actually lets me reflect upon sort of uh, what you might call the balkanization of our society. Mm-hmm. Like we separate ourselves. So the book itself was about political separation and mm-hmm. how we've actually 
physically uh, separate ourselves by political perspective. And the more we are further away from someone who might disagree, the more it's easier to dislike them and hate them and, and associate um, ill intentions with them. So democracy flourishes when people disagree, but believe they're in it together. And it struggles when you believe the other side is evil. Um, and one of the part of the book was to take me out of my comfort zone, <laughs> my bright blue neighborhood in Washington, D.C., <laughs> and take me to places and talk to people I wouldn't otherwise. And it was an amazing experience. Um, uh, uh, and it kept reflecting to me that, you know, we've become angrier and angrier to the other side, even though we don't actually disagree anymore than we used to. Um, so it's the power of only listening to people who agree with you. Um, and of course, it's gotten worse in the five years since I've when I wrote the book, we were talking about hyperpolarization. Mm. I don't even know what you would call mm -hmm. it now. Supersonic hyperpolarization. Mm. It's, it's, it's worse and it's um, uh, scary and I think um, a, a real threat to sort of the stability of our democracy. Um, but I will say to bring it back to the question you asked, Paul, um, it's also true with generations. Mm. We actually segregate ourselves um, by generation. I think that makes us um, during this journey I've had on the longevity project and with um, the team at Stanford, it's allowed me to reflect on the fact that I also age segregate all my friends are my age. Mm -hmm. um, uh, um, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time other than people I work with, with younger people or even much older people. And when I've sort of intentionally gone um, out to, to change that, um, it's been a real joy and a real power. And I think, it, you know, um, it, it I am as susceptible to anyone also thinking like those kids today, what do they know? <laughs> you know, I sound like an old geezer, but I'm, I'm susceptible because I'm not with them. Uh, uh, and if you are, it changes your views immediately. And, you know, we do consciously segregate ourselves people living in 55 plus communities. Um, uh, um, uh, it changes when you're in intergenerational relationships and intergenerational communities. And I think it's important that we keep that in mind as we think about, um, you know, not just political polarization, but social polarization as well. Ken Stern, your work with Stanford University puts you smack in the middle of Silicon Valley, and you're likely privy to tech advances, to technology options, and to new devices that might help us as we age to hear better, to see better, and to give us a... Uh, a new glimpse into perhaps what's coming in the future technologically. So share with us what you've seen and any new projects that you have uh, come across that you think might be of interest to our audience. We'd love to hear that. Yeah. So uh, I'll talk about two that are on my mind because they're right mm -hmm. in front, of, front and center with me for, for a variety of reasons. Um, so um, a lot of the, I think the technologies that are most exciting are uh, healthcare technologies, um, uh, that allows us, um, especially older people, to start thinking about how do we take care of themselves without um, through remote technologies and preventive technologies. So the so yesterday I was with um, the founder of a company called Resilient Technologies, Resilient Health, out of St. Louis, which is um, uh, has created a lot of physical centers that are robotically manned. There's also a technician there to help, um, though eventually that will go away. But you can go in uh, and a doctor can examine you from anywhere in the world uh, and use the robot arm 
Um, so one of the challenges that people face in aging is lack of access to doctors, distance, difficult to get around. This allows much greater access to healthcare um, from any doctor that you may have anywhere. And that's sort of an exciting way. And ultimately, their vision is that uh, that technology moves into the home. Um, and think about the opportunity that is for caregivers and older people or, or people with disabilities who are just less mobile. Um, and there's another, uh, it's actually in the podcast, um, uh, another company that's working with another uh, remote technology that uses your phone. Uh, and during the podcast, they uh, uh, they actually did a sort of evaluation of me through my phone, my blood pressure, my heart rate, um, uh, just by staring into the phone. And the exciting part about that is, is not that you can do an exam you know, on your phone, um, but that you can use your phone turns essentially a portable, portable medical device, which monitors your health over the course of your life and allows you to think not about reactive medicine, but preventative medicine um, uh, and serve your health more holistically. And I think that's the type of change that technology will enable um, that will change hopefully the trajectory of health for a lot of people. Well, concerned, what a pleasure it's been to talk with you. Um, it, just a great conversation. We've talked, of course, about uh, tech. We've talked a little bit about this uh, uh, Century Summit and, of course, Century Lives, your new podcast. I wonder if you'd just leave us with uh, just a final thought about, you know, what needs to change as a society for us to really be engaged as older adults, to live these happier more productive lives? What, what's maybe the one change or the two changes that need to take place in short order that we can, we can really begin to do this? So I think starting with um, sort of the mental shift of what constitutes old, um, I think we are still prisoners of, of rules made in the 19th century about what constitutes old. 65 being the retirement age was actually uh, invented by Bismarck in 1881. Um, we've, uh, we've followed that for 140 years and people are... Um, healthy uh, and productive and valuable um, you know, long past 65. And I think you know, change begins with understanding that in this modern era, um, health span is different than age uh, span and you know, lifespan. And um, you know, if we're going to be successful as a society, we can't just sort of stick extra years on the, uh, on, uh, at the end of life. We have to redefine the stages of life so that People who are older are valued and productive um, and purposeful members of society. I think that's the first conversation that I'm most excited about. Well, Ken Stern, host of the new podcast, Century Lives. Again, we'll put links up to where our audience can find out more information about this new podcast from Ken Stern just out as of January 12th. Great topics like the new map of life, uh, multi-generational living, healthcare and tech, all of these really great subjects around longevity that we are so concerned about. But Ken Stern, what a pleasure it's been to talk with you. We'd love to have you back and talk more specifically, you know, as you get more into uh, an upcoming summit, if there are things that we can share with our audience and help everybody kind of get excited about that, we'd, we'd love to do it. But thank you so much for your time. Best to you in, in 2022 and your family. And please stay safe and be well. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me on the show. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I'll look forward to the next one. <laughs> thank you. Me too. My thanks to Ken Stern for his generous time today. Please check out Ken Stern's new podcast, Century Lives, wherever you listen to podcasts. 
And we'll have links here in today's show notes. My thanks to Rituals for sponsoring today's show. Please check out our show notes for links and resources to rituals.com and support our sponsors. My thanks to you, my wonderful Not All Better Show audience. Please be well, be safe, remain vaccinated, and let's talk about better. The Not All Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.